I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12. I want to uh, say something tonight that is just so important, and it's this. Experiences do not negate or cancel out principles. Now, just listen to it again. Experiences do not negate or cancel out principles. This morning, I spoke in the church here about three things that I felt the Lord was speaking to our nation. And I spoke about uh, the whole move that we are seeing around the world today of the glory of God, which I endorse wholeheartedly. But I warned of some problems that I see happening, and that is that that move of God would be taken for self-indulgent purposes, and that we needed to take the lesson from other previous moves that have happened in our generation where those moves have been taken to ourselves and we have not taken that anointing and that grace and taken it out into our community. I spoke about a church in Kawarau, a group of Maori folk who I love so much, Pastor Matai Bennett and his young people. They go out in the streets of Kawarau, they were up in Auckland with us, and wherever we went in Auckland, they looked for people to pray for, for healing and miracles. I spoke about how they, last about Saturday night a week ago, they had Esther Melody Band there, a tremendous band. They did an outreach in Kawarau, and the young people found a teenager who was in a wheelchair. They prayed for that kid, and he got out of the wheelchair healed and walking. We are seeing in this age and time unprecedented numbers of miracles and healings. If I tonight was to even begin to open up the realm of healing, I've learned some things about healing, and I could be almost certain that we would see dozens of people supernaturally healed because the atmosphere has changed over our nation. And through the experiences of accessing the realm of heaven that is coming to this earth and seeing people delivered and healed in unprecedented numbers. And I take it as a great privilege to be a part of this time in history. And I fully anticipate if we can stop taking this to ourselves and take even what we experience tonight out into our community, that power and that anointing, that we would see revival come to New Zealand. I am a revivalist. I am believing for revival. And fundamentally, I have given my life to want to call forth in the realm of the Spirit for revival and moves of God. And I have said for years, when I'm 80 years of age, I will stand up with any young, smart, image-conscious, hype-up, hyping-up ministry, and I will challenge them. Who's got the power? 
and I'll line up a hundred people and they'll line up a hundred people and we'll see who gets the most touch with the power of God. Because what our nation needs is not hype, it's not image, making sure you dressed right and you got your hair right and you got the right sayings. What this nation needs is young men and women of the Holy Ghost moving in the power of God and taking that power into our streets to bring transformation to our schools, our communities, our universities, our job places. And so to the day I die, I will be focused on this to see people, young and old, experiencing the supernatural power of God so they get so familiar with that that they can then take it out into the community. But let me tell you something, experience does not negate principle. It does not cancel out principle. This is what I'm saying. No matter what, you can have all the experiences in the world, but my friend, if you cannot take that experience and translate it into faith, then that experience means nothing. If you are unable to take your experience of the power of God and the third heaven experiences and the gold dust and the jewels and the feathers and all of those things, all of which I've seen in meetings, if you are unable to take that and translate it into faith, it means nothing. And that was a mistake, of course, through the charismatic movement and other moves, and that's what we talked about this morning. And so we found this experience of three disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had a third heaven experience, but when it came to casting out a simple evil spirit out of a small kid, they were not able to do it. And they asked Jesus eventually the question, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Now the thing was, what they were looking for was a theological explanation for why this demon couldn't come out. And if I was to go in many churches, they will look for reasons why things aren't happening the way that they should be happening. They will say things like, the reason my church is not growing is because there's a Jezebel spirit. Oh, garbage. And they will say things, the reason there are no miracles is because I got this problem in someone in my church. And the reason that there's problems here and problems there, they've got excuses for everything. But Jesus had one reason. He didn't try to give an explanation. He said the reason that that demon couldn't come out is because of the littleness of your faith. And that really worries me. That really worries me. Because actually Jesus says to me, Brent, you're not seeing what you need to see at the level you need to see because of the littleness of your faith. And I believe that it doesn't matter how many experiences you have with the power of God. It doesn't matter how many third heaven experiences you have. My friend, if there is no faith, you will not see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that happens. And we are looking for men and women that have the capacity to walk into their classrooms, into their universities, into the job places, wherever they are. And when they walk in, they change the atmosphere. And people think, man, what's happened? Something's happened to the atmosphere. And they look around and they see you walking into that place. They see you arriving and they realize, man, this person is carrying something. Man, they're affecting the atmosphere. And some people will not like it. Some people will be amazed by it. And the reason is because you are 
carrying the presence of God. You have faith and you believe that when you walk into that place, the atmosphere will change and miracles will begin to unlock in that place. I could talk to you about the, the experiences that I have in restaurants. I just have this thing where people drop plates after I've been in a meeting like this. And I will tell the people that come with me, I say, now listen, you need to understand that there's going to be problems here tonight. We are at Denny's, but the waitress will drop probably about 100 plates. Don't be alarmed. It just happens everywhere I go after a Holy Ghost meeting. And they will look at me and mock, and uh, of course it happens. I can talk to you about how I was in America. I was just sitting at the table doing meetings in a church, and there next door was these people having a party. And this lady got up, the family got up. They were having a birthday party for a 70- or 80-year-old. She got right opposite my, my table. She slipped. She smashed her head. She tried to get up. She smashed her head again. That restaurant will be sued, probably millions of dollars. She had to be carted off in an ambulance. I want to tell you how not so long ago I was in a, in a situation actually with some pastors. And this woman, started, we were having a meal together. I was ministering there. But actually as, she was, uh, as, we, as, as, uh, as I was ministering there, we had a meal. And suddenly she started to choke. And I thought, she's going to die. And it was only that we had a person who just trained on how to get things out of a person's throat and stop them choking that that woman didn't die on the spot. Now, I don't, I don't rejoice in any of those things. But what I'm simply saying is that when we walk into places, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our, our restaurant, whether it's McDonald's or wherever it is, man, we need to walk in there with faith. We need to walk in there with expectancy that something is going to change. Something is going to shift. There will be a reaction that when I arrive, when you arrive, something is going to happen. And Jesus said, well, it's because of the littleness of your faith that you couldn't cast a demon out. Experiences do not negate principles. They do not, carry, they do not cancel out principles. This is the principle that you see, you've got to learn the ways of faith. Even though you're having all these great experiences, you must learn the ways of faith because it is faith that will actually move mountains. It is faith that will see miracles unlocking in our community. It is faith that will change the atmospheres that we are involved in. It is faith, faith in men and women of God who are believing for a revival that will bring revival to our nation. I am looking for young people and old who will say that I will build faith into my life so that I can begin to be effective in bringing the kingdom of God to this nation. Romans chapter 12 says an amazing thing. Verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now there's something I want you to see here tonight. The first thing is, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think so as to have sound judgment. I think there are a lot of people that think they've got more than what they've really got. And there's some people who have got more, but they don't actually think about the fact of what they have got. And that's even a greater concern. If I had, and I, I meant to bring it tonight, if I had a bag of seed, this is what I would do right now. 
I would get three people up here. I would hand them each, a, I'd hand the first person one handful of seed. The second person I would give two handfuls of seed to. And the third person I'd give three handfuls of seed. And I would talk about how faith is as a seed, as a mustard seed. And the issue is that each person has got an allotment. Everyone here tonight has been given an allotment of faith. You've been given an amount of faith. But the issue is not whether you were given one allotment or two allotments or three allotments. The issue is what you do with the allotment that God has given to you. Because within the seed is the potential to produce fruit. But unless you do something with that seed, then it will not produce the potential for fruit. And so each person is in required of God to take the allotment and sow it out, which I'll talk about in a moment, so that it brings increase. Now here's the thing. If I sow one seed and I produce fruit from that seed, the amount of seed that's produced from that one seed is hundreds of times more because all this fruit gets sort of on the tree or whatever it is, and that all has seed in it, so my one seed becomes huge amounts of seed. It's quite simple. So a person, so you can have your three people. Here's the number one person. They've got one allotment, two allotments, three allotments. But let's say for argument's sake that the person with three allotments of seed is just a lazy person and they do nothing with what they have. Then, the, then what will happen is they will keep three allotments. But the person with one allotment of seed realizes that they don't have much, but they need to do a lot with what they've got because they don't have much. So they work and they, 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 they fertilize the ground and they water the ground when the seed's been planted. And all of a sudden, they have more seed. It produces more fruit and more seed now than the person who started with more seed. Because now, if we were to measure out their seed, they've got 20 or 30 allotments, while this person has got three allotments because of laziness. Now the question is, how do we sow seed? That's the thing. And how do we grow and fertilize the seed within our lives? Well, the way that we grow seed is that we use and sow out what we have. No matter how little it is, we take what God has given us and we sow it out into other people's lives. I want to give you an example. See, when I was a young Christian, early baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was in a meeting, and as I was sitting there, a guy opposite me stood up and said to me, Brent, stand up. I didn't know what was about to happen, but he walked over to me and he laid hands on me and he began to prophesy over my life. It was the first personal prophecy I'd ever seen. And I remember it today. He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. And through just that experience, I thought, man, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be able to prophesy over people like that and encourage them. So I decided that I would start to sow the allotment of faith for prophecy into people's lives. Well, when I started, 
I didn't know too much of the Bible. I was a worshipper. So every time I prophesied, and I prophesied over people all the time, I would prophesy over him, but it was the same prophecy because I only had a little bit of faith for that, see? Only a little bit. And so all I knew about was worship. So I would lay my hands on people all around the country and I would say, God has called you to be a worshipper. So there's dozens of people all around New Zealand right now that I prophesied over about 30, 40 years ago that were called to be worshippers because I didn't know what else to prophesy. <laughs> eh? One day, but you see, I was using my allotment. It was only one allotment. I would watch people around the place like Pastor Mike Connell would go and prophesy over people. Man, he would talk about this and that and the next thing and unlock their secrets and the demons would manifest and all of this stuff was happening. I would sit there thinking it's not fair. He's got so much allotment and I got so little. But I knew something that if I don't sow out what God has given me, then it will not increase. The allotment will not increase. So I kept prophesying over people about worship and whatever else came to mind and didn't worry too much if it was wrong because at least I was having a go. I don't mind people making mistakes, you know. I just mind people not having a go. hate that. One day my pastor came up to me and uh, he said to me, he said, Brent, uh, when you prophesy over people, are you aware of the fact that the only thing you ever prophesy over is worship? I thought, you rude man. I mean, this was the Holy Ghost, surely. But he was right. That's all I prophesied over. But it got me to fast and got me to pray and seek God and say, God, I want to be able to say things more than just about worship. And I kept prophesying and I kept sowing out. And all of a sudden, I found God would begin to give me other information. And then I began to analyze prophecies. Now, I don't know about it here, but, you know, back in my day, people would prophesy like this. Yea, for God would sayeth unto thee that he loves thee. Yea, indeed, he loves thee and he loves thee. For indeed, the heart of God is toward you because he is compassionate to you and he loves you. And so for 10 minutes, you'd get this prophecy. But actually, when you thought about it and analyzed it, only one thing was said, that God loves them. And I thought, I don't want to be like that because that's just stupid. <laughs> and the second thing I don't want to be is, is, is sound like a King James English person and have useless language. I thought that was stupid. So I decided that I would extend, I would enlarge my faith. And the way that I would enlarge my faith is I decided... I'm not just going to prophesy over worship, but the next person I prophesy, I'm going to find something else to prophesy about. So now it would be two things. And so I would do that. And after a while, I thought, now, two things. That's okay. What about if I prophesy now three things over a person? And man, it took years to develop this. It's a lot easier now because we got, you've got people like me and Pastor Mike who can teach you how to do this stuff, but there was no one around who teach you how to do this, so you just had to have a go and try to work out how it all worked out. But after a while, I was prophesying, and I'd get three concepts, four concepts, five concepts. All of a sudden, I would get periods of time. 
I would get ages and I would begin to say things like, man, when you were seven years of age, a traumatic event happened in your life and God has come to set you free. And then they would weep and cry and stuff would happen. And I thought, man, this is pretty good. And then the Lord started to give me seasons and I could say to a person three years ago or or in the last six months, and people would come up to me afterwards and say, man, that was exactly right. And then the Lord would start to give me things that would say things like, you know, in, in your life over a 10-year period, you have had five events in this particular arena, five events of major failure, and God wants to break the curse. And I'd say, who was that person? They would come out and they'd say, I had those five events. They happened exactly when you said they happened and the curse would be broken and their life would be changed. But I had to sow it out. I had to stretch the faith. I had to have a go. I had to have the fear and face the fear of making mistakes. Hey. Now today, and I'm not any good, I'm not nearly as good as I'd like to be, but one of the things I like to do, and I'll only do it really to pastors and senior leaders in churches, where I'll sit them down in a chair opposite me, and, and I'll just sit like this, And I'll just look at them. And I'll say to them, okay, I'm going to tell you what God's saying to you. And I'll spend 20 minutes, and I'll just slowly and gradually unlock their whole life before them. Now, where did I start? Where did that come from? That came from one allotment of faith. But because I determined to use the one allotment of faith, God brought the increase. See, when I started to preach, I would stutter. It was horrible. It was embarrassing. And I would waste time because I'd repeat myself and say things over and over again, thinking that I hadn't communicated clearly. And so my allotment to preach was one allotment of faith for preaching. And I determine I'm going to develop this. I'm going to sow out the preaching gift, and I'm going to improve it. So I began to study the art of communication. I began to listen to the great preachers, and I began to think, um, what made Bill Hybel so powerful? And men like Jack Haven, and these are people a lot of you have never even heard of, but these were the great communicators of my day. I watched T.D. Jakes. Many of you know him. I thought when he came to Auckland, I'm going to get him to pray for me. I'm going to get his big black American hands on my head. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because I believed that if I could get a touch from him, it would change my preaching. Do you know what I am doing right now? Not using notes, preaching from my head. I could not have done that before I was prayed for by T.D. Jakes. I simply could not have done this. I would be right up there reading my notes, preaching from my notes. But I tell you, something changed when he laid my hands on me. But he increased the allotment of faith for preaching. He laid his hands on me. I did a complimentary fallover. You know what a complimentary fallover is? You know, a person prays for you, and you know you want, that person wants you to fall over, so I just fell over. Hey? Okay. Okay. No, well, I fell over that day. It was a destiny in front of everyone, so I thought I'd better... And uh, for the next Sunday, I got up, and it was like T.D. Jakes was standing beside me. I started to walk like him, push my stomach out like him. I started to 
preach like him, sweat like him. I even had someone make a cloth with BD on it <laughs> in gold lettering. And I would pace up and down like Bishop T.D. Jakes preaching. I haven't stopped pacing up and down. But an allotment, one allotment many years ago, because I've sowed it out and I've done my best with what God gave me, it's increased and increased and increased. Man, I couldn't cast out demons, but I had a go. And now, I'll never be like Pastor Mike. I mean, Flip, he's like the prince of, of caster out of evil spirits in the world. I mean, him and Bill Sabrisky are like, they're like the kings of this. I'm just a junior lad. But I learned a lot, and I've prayed for thousands. But it started with one. God has allotted, my friend, to you, faith. And you see, no matter what experience you have, your experience must not cancel out the principles of building faith. First principle, sow out and utilize what you've got because unless you do that, it will not increase. Second principle, Romans 10 says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. I want to say something to the young people here tonight. Listen to me. I have the right to say this because I'm an old fella. You will not do anything great for God without a knowledge and understanding of the Bible. If you are not a student of the Bible, you will never enter the potential of what you can do in the kingdom of God because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. And there is too much preaching where people stand up and they don't even open up the Word of God, but they preach a good idea. And I am at the moment doing a thing called a ministry development school. We're training up preachers around our country. They come to my venue, and I was evaluating them recently, and not one of them, I think maybe one of them, first started by saying, let's open up the Bible and read from. And every one of them, I said to them, you do not stand in my pulpit and bring a good idea and a good concept. When you stand behind this pulpit, it is an honor to preach the Word of God. And you are there to deliver the voice of God, the revelation of God to the people of God, young and old. And you start with the Bible and you finish with the Bible. Otherwise, don't waste my time. I can go to the local RSA or the Lions Club to hear good ideas, but I'm coming to church because I want to hear the voice of God, and I hear the voice of God through the Word of God, and anybody that dares stand on this pulpit better deliver the Word of God or sit down. I'm going to do this in a couple of weeks again. And if any one of those dare stand up and within 10 seconds have not opened the Word of God, I will stand up and I will say, Sir, young person, sit down. You have just disqualified yourself from me even evaluating your preaching. We are here to preach. Now, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. Do you know, I had a great problem in my life. Well, I've got plenty, still have really. Pastor Mike wants to cast them all out. And... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of resistance. That's it, you know. 
When I was trying to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, people, I couldn't get it. People said to me, well, just believe God. And I said, well, how do you believe God? They said, well, have faith. And I said, well, how do you get faith? They said, well, just believe. I said, well, how do you believe? Well, just get faith. I mean, what a stupid thing to say. And one day, I'm in the Auckland Town Hall. There was a revival happening. This preacher called Neville Johnson stood up, and he spoke about logos and rhema, two Greek words. And what he did was he spoke about how faith comes from hearing the rhema of God. What does that mean? This is the Logos. It is, in the Greek, the written Word of God. It's words. It's the Logos. It's the written Word of God. But if you want to get faith, and this is the thing that he said, he said, if you can have God speak to you through this Word, that's called a rima. It is a personal revelation that God is speaking out of this Bible into your spirit and that's where faith comes from. So suddenly I was taught how to build faith in my life. All I needed to do was if I could just get a rima, a living word, a revealed word from God as I read this book, that would create faith. And the thing is, if I got that faith, within that word would be the power for it to be accomplished because that word came from heaven. So there would be a supernatural enablement within that word. And so I began to learn to read this word so that the Holy Spirit would suddenly inspire and bring out revelation. And that revelation would come into my heart. And before I know it, there would be faith coming into my heart. But it came from the good book. So then I had to learn how to read the Bible. Now, there's many ways of reading the Bible, but I'll tell you the best way to read the Bible. As you're reading it, speak in tongues. And then you start praying the Bible. Lord, as my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're my shepherd. You care for me. You protect me. You love me. You, you know the cries of my heart when I'm bleating. Oh, God, you're my shepherd. You will look after me and protect me. As a result, I will not have any wants in my life. Lord, I will have everything that I need provided from you. Oh, my God, I just know that you are the source of all of my needs in my life. And I thank you that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Oh, he is the shepherd who provides for my every need. Suddenly, revelation has come into my heart. And a faith that God will look after me has now got into me because I have received a rhema from God. And so I began to learn the great process of reading the Bible and linking it with prayer. Actually, that is the Hebraic way that they read the Bible. Did you know that? They stand there with the Bible and they're bowing their heads and they pace around and they're praying as they read the Scriptures. And why do they do that? Because actually, number one, it stops you falling asleep. But number two, it causes you to be active in the words. It causes you to 
connect with what's actually happening because you're praying and you're personalizing it and you've got a pen with you and all of a sudden this verse and it just seems to hit your heart you have received the rima and within that rima faith is then created hallelujah faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of god so we have a couple of things here tonight we have faith as an allotment faith that comes from hearing but you see, the final thing I want to talk about tonight is how we hear. In Matthew chapter 13 is the great passage about hearing. It's about producing fruit. It's the word of God being sowed in different grounds and soils. And in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about how we hear with understanding. Now, there is a difference between hearing and hearing with understanding. Let me illustrate it for a moment. If you have been married men for any length of time, at some point in time, you will have had this conversation. The wife talks to you about something, and you say, yes. She says, do you hear what I've just said? He says, yes. The wife will say, well, repeat back what I have just said. And the husband will word for word repeat back what the wife has said. And the wife will say, you haven't heard a thing that I've said. But he's just quoted her word for word. See? <laughs> and the men go away shaking their head and thanking God for iPhone 4 so that they can record every conversation and prove to the wife that they have heard them. But actually, the problem was they heard words, but they didn't hear with understanding. And the thing was, what the wife is saying is not what she's saying. Did you get it? That's so important. What the wife is saying is not what she's saying. She's saying something different. And so that is why if you are ever going to get married, man, there is a prayer to be prayed, which is, Lord, give me the gift of interpretation. <laughs> eh? Because the words have got a message behind the words that the wife wants to know you've understood the message, not the words. Now, if you are confused, well, just pray for me because I've had 37 years of this. Eh? <laughs> Torment, yes, 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 torment. <laughs> torment of, you didn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> it's listening with understanding. It's listening what is behind the words that are being spoken. It is listening with the heart. Because actually what's in your heart determines your capacity and ability to hear. Do you understand? See, if I've got a defiled heart or a wrong attitude in my heart, I will not hear what's being spoken. See, if I sit in a meeting with people and there's contention and argument and I've got anger in my heart, it doesn't matter what they say to me, I will reinterpret that in the view of my anger and my resentment and bitterness. 
You cannot hear properly to one another if you have a defiled heart. That's where conflict comes in a church because you've got these people that haven't realized that we have to forgive one another, we have to root out bitterness out of our lives, and we actually have to have a spirit of reconciliation. And so instead, they argue with one another, and they don't hear one another, and then we get division in the church. And the reason is because they have not got a heart of understanding, because their heart has been defiled. That's why the Bible talks about having a clear conscience and dealing with issues of the heart because actually by having a clear conscience and having issues of the heart dealt with, it gives us the capacity to hear God with clarity and with understanding. I honor a man in our nation called Bill Sabriskie. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, he deals with sin, he deals with stuff. And uh, if I want to know what the will of God is on an issue, I just bring him up. And he'll tell me, because he hears God. I don't know anybody that can hear God like that in our country. And then if i got someone like you, let's say you've got a few problems in your life. I'm sure you haven't because you're a nice-looking person. <laughs> but some aren't, you know. I would take you to Bill, and Bill will pray for you. And he'll unlock your life like a book. He'll tell you everything that happened in your life right from your childhood. He'll talk to you about your parents, what your parents did. He'll talk, if you get him on a one-to-one -one basis, I mean, when he does it. He'll, he will cast out more demons than you ever thought were imagined that could be alive. And you'll walk out totally transformed. And you'll say, that was phenomenal. That man spoke secrets in my heart that no one knew and I'd never spoken about, but he totally unlocked my life. Because you see, he's learnt now, by dealing with issues of the heart, faith comes from hearing. He reads the Bible about five or six, seven times a year, by the way. Um, but having said that, and he's 80-something years of age, so he's still doing it. So he's probably read the Bible hundreds and hundreds of times. But he hears the voice of God with such clarity, it is scary. So when I go to his house, I repent before I go. <laughs> because I know that he will pray for me, and I know he will find some demon to cast out, so I just want to make sure I have as less as possible. <laughs> And you see, that's why it's important to have a clear heart and you deal with issues of the heart, no matter what your age is. Because as you deal with issues of the heart, it gives you the capacity to hear with understanding. And, then you, and that is what builds faith in your life. A young man by the name of Samuel was dedicated to the Lord and so as a, as a young boy was put into the temple under the authority of the priest at that time by the name of Eli and one night this voice came to Samuel calling him out because God wanted to and it was actually the voice of God but Samuel he didn't know that this was the voice of God he thought it was the old man the old priest Eli so he ran out and he said, um, Eli, what do you want? And he said, well, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. 
and it happened again, happened a couple of times. And Eli, and Eli was in big trouble, you know, his sons were rebellious and all sorts of stuff happening. But at least there was some vestige in Eli's heart of understanding that maybe God's actually doing something. And he said, Samuel, when that happens again, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. And right at this young man, this young boy was lying there, and the voice of God came to him again. And he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. And God began to speak to him a rima that was forever to change his life and birth one of the greatest prophets ever seen in the Bible. Because as a young man, he listened and he was taught by an old priest, Eli, to listen with understanding. I have cried out to God all of my Christian life, God, that I might hear your voice I might have such a clarity in hearing your voice that at a moment's notice I could speak to any person and I could look at them in the eye and say, Son, this is what God says about you. And I thank God today that with a small allotment of faith, the capacity to do that has increased and increased. And I will continue to do that till the day I die because our nation is desperate for men and women who have faith, who hear the voice of God, can activate the realm of the Spirit and begin to see community transformation by the revelation and power of Jesus Christ. I wonder tonight if that's in your heart to do that. Whew. Whoa. I'm so desperate to want to birth and encourage people into faith in our nation, not just hype, not just a great experience, but actually to be able to stand with absolute faith. I finish with this statement tonight, and then I will pray for some people. I used to think that I was a Holy Ghost minister. That's how I would refer to myself. But every time I got introduced for a season of about two or three years, People would say, we have Brent Douglas here today and he has a great faith ministry. And I never saw myself as a faith ministry. And after a while, it got through my thick head that actually I was a Holy Ghost minister, but it was all activated by faith. See, tonight I stood up and by faith I prayed for some people. And I am so thankful and gracious, to, um, so thankful and and, and, and just full of joy to the Lord that he chose tonight to move by his spirit because I didn't know that he was going to move but I just had to go by faith and he moved. Hallelujah. I want to do something right now. I want to have an altar call here tonight and one of the things that I have learned in my life is that there is a grace, there is an ability of God that can come upon people for a season to help them get activated in some dimension of the Spirit. And I know that there are people here that have stopped reading the Bible, or maybe they are not reading it very much, and it's not giving life to them. 
But I tell you, you will never get faith without the Bible speaking to you. And so a season can come by an impartation of the Holy Spirit that will give you a grace from God that in the next little while, the Word of God would just start to flow again for you. And so our prayer is like, let's unlock, let's unblock the Word of God for you. And believe for a deposit of the Holy Spirit that would actually unlock revelation. I want to ask you to do something tonight and not to be embarrassed or shy, but if you think tonight, man, I'd like that. I need the Bible to come alive for me. I need a grace to come. I need a power of God to, un to just cause that revelation to flow for my life. I want you to step out of your seat right now and come up the front. Would you do that quickly? Father, we just got to move away from just hype. Got to move beyond just experience, although experiences are so important and so powerful. We've got to be men and women, young people, old people, who are receiving from the very heart of God revelation. That as they read the Bible, it will vibrate with life and create faith in the hearts. Jesus, I'd ask tonight that as we come to minister, that there would be a powerful, powerful deposit that would activate the revelation of God. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you might know that was the prayer that you had Paul pray. Oh, God, we, we prayed for a spirit of revelation. Father, I'd ask that tonight the revelatory capacities of the Spirit to create a reamer of God would be unlocked to us mightily tonight. Oh, Jesus, I'd ask you to move here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in a moment, I'm going to start to lay hands on people here tonight. And uh, Pastor Mike and some of the other leadership team will also pray. But I want to tell you something, that as you're standing here, this is not about falling over, although some might. And it's not about laughing, although some might. What this is about is a deposit of revelation, revelatory anointing to activate the Word of God. The prayer will be wasted if there is not the activation of reading the Bible tonight, tomorrow morning, speaking in tongues before you read and asking God to unlock it for you. And it may not happen instantly, but it will happen. I know that. I know that. You've got to do something more than just receive prayer tonight. You've actually got to then read the Bible for it to happen. But I have no doubt in my mind that God will unlock revelation to many, many of you to create faith. And the end result will be great men and women of God birth in the atmosphere tonight. Father, I pray right now, release a spirit of revelation.
right now. Come. Come. I want Pastor Mike and the other leaders that aren't on the altar call to begin to pray like that and just let's begin to release that revelation tonight.
Father, we just thank you for your work tonight. Thank you for what you've imparted to us. Thank you, Lord, for opening understanding about the ways of faith. Father, we pray that anointing, that spirit of revelation would just fall, flow, remain on people tonight. We thank you for one another. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the, the uh, fresh move of your spirit, fresh atmosphere of God. Father, we just pray for your family to be connected, to grow. And that what has been shared tonight as they rise tomorrow, begin to read and pray the Word of God. Let the Word of God flow like a river. That they get sudden insights and understandings. Father, I just pray you'd work among us to help us raise a generation of faith. Lord, we just commit our day, our week to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Bless Brent. Bless his family and his ministry. We thank you for him, Lord. Amen.